And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome into a season wrap edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Excited to be with you. A lot to get to. Jay, how are we doing? Doing great. Looking forward to diving into this this offseason. Uh, excited, actually, not to have to worry about a meaningless game to cover this weekend. Yeah, it feels it feels like we've been a little bit rejuvenated here, right? Like yeah. actual meaningful topics other than the ones that you're sort of forced to discuss with watching that team play out the string. And we kind of get it kind of gets interesting again a little bit, even as everybody disappears for the offseason, the players uh exited stage left on monday and they won't be back until april maybe i mean who jc treader's trying to get rid of all the otas and off-season program <laughs> uh and we don't know if anybody will be reconvening at all just because of the nature of covid19 uh so all of that hangs over what is going to happen in the offseason but what we do know is the news of the day and we're going to get into that that is zach's back lose back run it back that's got to make people happy, right? All thrilled. The people are thrilled. People are thrilled. Uh, so we are going to fully dive into the retention uh, of all the coordinators um, on this coaching staff and the head coach, which was announced. Of course, Zach officially announced on Monday, and um, the rest has between different various reports and what I know. Um all coordinators and Zach Taylor back. So we're going to discuss that. Obviously, we will have a lot to get into there, whether we're talking about why this happened, um, the patience of the staff. I want to talk about actually some of the inside baseball background um, reporting and, and but by reporting, I, I don't mean um, any the nature of anything that was put out there being wrong, but sort of how it all developed, I think, is an interesting background into some of the dynamics at play here. Uh, so we're going to talk that's a little inside baseball for you, but, you know, um, I think it's it's relevant. Um, I want to take a look. I'm going to take a look back at the 2019 coaching class. It's interesting to see what has developed there. Of course, we're going to talk about Joe Burrow because we're a Bengals podcast, so we will do that. Um, offensive line coach we know is open. And so we'll start talking about where that goes from here. Um, Jay, of course, will have stats that will make you sad because that's what Jay has. Man, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, and then we're going to run through a, a few Twitter questions. Reminder, if you ever have Twitter questions that you want us to go through on the podcast or in a mailbag, always uh, just hit us up on Twitter. Um, you can find me, of course, at Paul Daner Jr., uh, and you can find Jay at I always forget it, at Jay Morrison ATH. It's, it's changed, and I feel like I always me mess it up. 
That, no, that is correct. It's yeah. at at Jay Moore. The whole the whole name J J A Y Morrison. At one point, you utilized an underscore. Um, I feel like back in the day, maybe. Yeah, it was Jay Morrison DDN for Dayton yeah. Daily News, and there might have been an underscore there. And then when I switched it to ATH, they took my blue check mark away. I guess if you change your Twitter uh, handle, they. But yeah. uh, it didn't take long for that to pop back on there. Don't be an underscore person. No, it's confusing for everyone. Uh, but so you can always hit us up, of course, on Twitter with any questions you have there or comments. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to try to through the off season, you know, keep your questions as a part of the show um, and give you shout outs along with that. So um, we'll, we'll get through some of those and some other news nuggets that we have. Trey Hopkins tore his ACL on Sunday, which is awful news and just adds another degree of difficulty to the Bengals attempt to rebuild their offensive line this offseason, which will be the major uh, storyline thrust of the next really set six months is going to be what do they do to fix the offensive line up front. And on day one of that, it gets exponentially harder mm-hmm. as they now have to deal with, uh, well, when will Trey Hopkins be back? When will he be full go? You know, now you've got your center and your quarterback potentially <laughs> having no reps together through all of you. Could, the excuses are already building up for 2021, Jay. <laughs> It's already happening. I mean, we, we, we're going to spend the day to, you know, diving into the excuses made about 2020, and you could already feel the next year's ones. Um, so that and more. Let's let's go. Um, oh, reminder, if you want to get all of our coverage, uh, whether here, across the playoffs in the NFL, the NBA is going and it, at, everywhere, Premier League. You name it, over 400 writers this past year. We had over 50,000 stories, over 10,000 podcasts. Our deal right now going on, go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling. $4 per month. $3.99 technically. $4 per month though. Um, and you can get all of this in-depth coverage. You just It's it's ridiculous what you get um, under the umbrella here for $4 per month and all of our stuff uh, that we'll be writing as this off-season unfolds and we give you all sort of inside information on what's going on with the Bengals. So we encourage you to take advantage of that offer. Um, all right. Zach's back, lose back, run it back. So the, the Bengals uh, make the announcement that they will bring back Zach Taylor in a statement from Mike Brown yesterday on Monday. And it was, I'll just read it. <laughs> I'd rather that, you know, at this point, you've probably made your, uh, you have your feelings on it. Can you read it in Mike's voice? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'll, I'm not going to read it. I, I think I think it should be. They should have done it like an audio tape. Yes. You know, like to, you, you click the audio option and it's Mike reading it to you like a nighttime story. <laughs> <laughs> I could have gone for that. Uh, just maybe sitting in front of a fireplace, you know, the crackles of the fire. Um, our fans wanted a fresh new direction two years ago. What a great, what a great. I'm, I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> <clears throat> Quote, our fans wanted a fresh new direction two years ago, and that is what we aim to do in hiring a bright, energetic head coach in Zach Taylor. We remain bullish on the foundation Zach is building, and we look forward to next year giving our fans the winning results we all want. 
In Zach's two years, we have added many new starters and contributors to the draft. We have invested heavily in free agency. We have acquired a talented young quarterback with a bright future. This season, we face challenges with injuries at key positions and missed opportunities. I am proud of our football team for fighting hard through adversity. That adversity and hard work will help us next season. We'll enter the offseason looking to shore up our weaknesses and amplify the strengths of our talented young core. We are not discouraged, but instead feel motivated and confident that next year we'll reap the benefits of the work that has been done to date. We must capitalize on the opportunities in front of us. Next year we will earn our stripes. Jay, what did you think of the statement made by Mike Brown? Well, the first thing that jumped out at me was a lot of times these statements are written by the public relations staff and then the the person's name is put on there. Um, I, I can't think of how many Marvin Lewis statements were were made that way. <laughs> um, that This was not the case. I have no doubt that Mike wrote this. The the earn our stripes, uh, the, the use of the word bullish. Um, <laughs> the only yeah. thing that was mis- missing was our, our ox cart is in the ditch. Uh, <laughs> Maybe but, a reference to Gettysburg. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I do. I think this came straight from the desk of Mike Brown. Um, I I don't know. I I, I kind of agree. Mo Egger on our site has a column about how the it was kind of unfair. The, the, the Bengals pointing the that first line you mentioned. It's like saying you asked for this. Uh, you know, we gave you what you wanted. Now shut up and be quiet and buy tickets. Um, <laughs> I, it's. I don't know. I. It, I. I. I, un, I. I knew. I didn't know. I, I expected them to take this direction. Um, it would have been. I think a lot better in to, to have Mike actually have a press conference instead of just releasing a statement. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't talked publicly since what July of 2018 or 2019. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. I mean, at, at the pre-camp luncheon, I think that's the last time um, because the owner's meetings were canceled last year. And then obviously the pre-camp luncheon was canceled last year. Those are the two times he typically talks. And and we it's not for lack of making requests. Requests right. have been made throughout. They don't have to put him out there. They typically have in the past in those situations. But it's not it's not a matter of, oh, you guys aren't trying to get him just for the re- for the record. On that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It was it. it Anytime I see a statement, I just you, you wonder how much PR input in there is in there, and you don't they 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 rarely say anything that raises eyebrows or controversial. It just it just seemed kind of like a vanilla statement with that little jab to begin with, um, and and not one if if you're in this situation and you're trying to sell this decision. Um, I just would have thought it would have been a, a little more forceful, um, a, a little more, a little more, uh, rosier outlook, I guess, but it's just the way the Bengals they do, they do these kind of things. It, it was, it was, it was vanilla. It was, we're going to stay the course and you guys should stay on board. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't open that way. And I, I will, I will side with Mo on that. I mean, you know. To just basically say, hey, you asked for this. I, I didn't. I wanted Marv. Is what it almost. It almost feels like that. You know, <laughs> like you, you guys were mad. I kept keeping Marv. Well, that's because this was possible, right? You want a new direction. Here it is. 
and and I, I don't I don't necessarily think that it was meant to be that way, but that's what it mm. says. It is what it says, and so that's a it's a rough start, and that's fine. The rest of it is is fine. I, I think it's it's the important part of the statement to me is pointing out what they put the blame of the last two years on. You know, running through injuries at key positions, missed opportunities. Basically, hey, we were close to winning some of those games. A lot of guys got hurt. That's it. That's why Zach Taylor is back, right? It's the players. It's the players. The message of this statement, Zach's back, lose back, run it back, is it was the players. It was the injuries. It was a roster that had not come to fruition of the vision laid out. Okay? The vision laid out by Zach Taylor involved specifically the one that began this past offseason. Let's focus on the arc here, okay? First year train wreck. Way worse than we thought it would be, right? It, it is basically what the staff said. We did not think it was going to be this bad. None of this fit. Culture. Get these players out of here. We did. We had to learn on the fly. We couldn't make decisions for who we really need because we didn't know them. Year one. Offseason happens. Uh, uh, by all... By all reactions, by all grades, by all thoughts, a quality offseason. People really liked this offseason. They spent in free agency. They did well in the draft. They got Joe Burrow. They leaned heavily into that. Despite all the Zoom stuff, they seemed to handle it pretty well. You know, there was a thought of real momentum, of forward progress, and hope. Okay? And they built on that, but the only way it could really matter was when they got into the season. Okay, so now this season goes sideways, and so what they're saying is, the other part of last offseason was we couldn't, we can't fix it all in one offseason. We heard that a lot. Did you want to do the line? Yeah, but you can't do it all in one offseason. This position can't do it all in one offseason. You know? Or you could have in any other organization. (laughs) <laughs> the ones that actually hit the button hard, the Miamis of the world. Um, we've seen this across the league in, in rebuilds. Um, it's slower here. They've turtled it, right? They're doing the Austin Powers turnaround in the hallway. We'll get there. <laughs> but so so that you so you do, couldn't do it all in one off season. So you, so you're selling the need for one more off season the entire time. Well, you need to have some proof of concept to do that. They don't. So what we're told is because of Joe Burrow's injury and because of DJ Reader and Trey Waynes and Joe Mixon and Jonah Williams and CJ Uzama and and yeah, you know you start lining them all up, they're impactful. Um that is why. So let's let's not get caught up in any of the other minutiae of what is being judged here and the reasons for this. That is why. They blame the players not having not having the players they need yet and the injuries that occurred, specifically number nine. That being why they are running it back, because they think that that is the reason. Not the coaching. 
and anything else that was going on organizationally is the reason why 625 and 1 exists is because of that arc that I just sort of walked through. Yeah, I mean, the the injuries thing is valid, but nobody wants to hear it. And, 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 I, and I think that did leave a sour taste with some people to put that in there. Why not why not put some of the blame on the organization and, and just say, we knew this wasn't going to be an overnight fix. And, you know, th- three years isn't out of the question. Now, now, rarely when the first two go as badly as they have, is there a third? But I, I just, they're, they're, they could have approached it in a different manner. I, I did think that, that, you know, kind of leaning on the injury aspect of it as valid as it is. It, it it's just it's a bad look, especially you can almost see that when it's an off the cuff comment and someone says it because almost always every time we talk to Lou this year, he would mention it and he would say that he would he would he would mention it and he say, but nobody wants to hear that. Not making excuses. And, and, and when you're talking that way, you you always you always follow it up with that phrase in a statement. There was no follow up. It was just it, it looked like they were blaming the injuries and it's 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 not a good look, um, especially for a, a crafted, prepared statement. Um, it, it's 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 why this fan base is so frustrated. They it, it's not just the losing. It's it's kind of the the callous disregard to to what they feel. Um, the the resistance to to change and embrace the way everybody all these other winning teams are doing things. Um, it's. I, I guess they they're at the point now where like if you stuck around this long, you're not going anywhere, and eventually we're going to win, and people will jump back on board, and and that's the way they kind of look at it, and I I don't know after after the the end of the Marvin run and the start of this run, it, it could it, it could take a while to to get this fan base back, even if they find a way to turn it around and start winning. I, I, you know, I tweeted this yesterday, kind of what you just said, and that is someone talking about, look, even if they do good, like they lost a good portion of the fan base. I don't buy that. Like, what? Why was this? I've been saying this for five years. Why is this the moment? You know, <laughs> like if you're you decided to serve, to hang around this long, if you're here at this point as a fan, you either are here for the hope of Joe Burrow or you aren't going anywhere. And they know that. And anybody that wanted to bail had a million opportunities to do so over the last 30 years, and many did. That's the point here. Is it, And I don't think that they're, like, exploiting that. It's just reality. Like, the, the, the fans that are out there, the fans that follow the Bengals, the fans that buy the merch and the tickets and, and do that, this is who they are. Like, they're at – you're at your level, okay? Outside of Joe Burrow deciding to get up and get out of here – it's hard to see it getting any lower. It's only going to build up. It doesn't really matter. Like I just, and as much as you want that, you know, you do need to care about fans. I mean, they look. Mike basically said, "I made a, a move for fans already once. I ain't doing it again." Hmm. Okay, if he thinks that the best chance of being good next year is letting Zach play out his vision rather than restarting and everybody having to relearn anything, which Tyler Boyd sort of broached yesterday, saying. You know, for a lot of us and all that we've been through, and they've sort of feel the players there feel like that ones that are invested in the part of the core feel like they've been building for next year, really. 
they feel like that that it, it is coming together. Like everything they've been sold and working towards is sort of built towards feeling they're going to have that team next year. Whether that's right or wrong, I mean, who knows? I mean, that, but the point is, you know, Tyler Boyd said it just sucks to go through another rotation of a head coach. You got to refine the chemistry, go through another system. It's just too much at times, especially for what we've been through. That's Tyler Boyd, quote unquote. And I think there's truth to that, where it's like the best way for them to win next year through the eyes of Mike Brown is that let's play this year out, let's play this vision out. And 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 to fruition with the players and make good on the promises. Where if you're going to tell me you need another off season to turn the roster, and then you'll be where you need to be, you're going to tell me that look what Burrow was doing, and that's true, right? You're going to tell me that you think that with a with better pass rush or whatever that Lou can get it together, and that you've got enough pieces there to make it happen next year. I'll give you that chance. And by winning a few games at the end of the year, made me believe just enough. The Tennessee win, the Pittsburgh win in particular, made you believe enough that with the players, this is that's what it can look like every week. That's what was that's what's out there. That's what's being said, and that's why they're running it back. And and the the one the let's talk about the Lou Anarubo side of this. I I, I don't to me, what's happened here is all of what we just talked about is why a coordinator looking at coming in here is like, nah, dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want no part of everything you just told me. You know, and and so again, it go it's the same logic that you worked through on the Zach Taylor decision. You're working through on the Lou Anarumo decision of maybe our best chance is believing in this guy's vision that give him the players and it can look good enough and that it didn't look good enough this year because they didn't have enough good players. You know, no pass rush, all that stuff. That you're running the same logic on Lou that you ju- that we just went through with Zach and that I don't, you know, can we get any better? Can we do it that fast? That's it's a, It's asking a lot. Maybe we just keep building towards this. I think that's a cop-out. I think you can get a good defensive coordinator to come in here. I think a fresh voice could make a difference. I think you can get that taken care of in an offseason. And I think it could help a lot of people, especially when you've got a lot of dudes up. you got a lot of open spots to fill. You can sort of reform it through the eyes of whoever this new person is with Zach leading that. But, you know, there's a good relationship there between Lou and Zach, one that they probably did that they didn't want to have to get rid of. And they want to keep that going. And I think they, he feels like he's a really good coach and that he's been victimized by a roster a little bit. And that's what happened. You know, uh, I, we'll all find out together if that's true. Yeah. I don't know if I agree that they, I mean, it only takes one, but I don't know how good of a court defensive coordinator they could get in here. If, it, if it's a young up and comer, are they going to want to come to a dysfunctional situation if it's an established guy with skins on the wall? You know, we talked about this on, on a previous pod. I, I don't know that any established guy is going to come in here. It, 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 there's that attractive piece that if it does go south and they part ways with Zach in the middle of the season, you would be in position to, to step in as an interim head coach and prove yourself that way. But, but would that really be the case? I mean, it, it feels like if, if something like that happens, that that Darren Simmons would be the guy they would tap to 
to finish things off. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how good of a, a candidate they could have got. I, I thought that was that was more the the decision making to, to keep Lou is is what is the alternative if we let him go? Not so much we believe in this guy, and and I'm sure that Zach does have some belief in Lou. Or he if he didn't, he wouldn't have kept him, no matter what the the pool of candidates might or might not look like. But it it, it just. It, it felt more on that side of things to me that that the the options of bringing someone in and, and starting over with a new with a, with a new scheme on defense, not scheme voice, whatever you want to say. And the other thing you talk about how important the roster churn is. Most of that churn's coming on defense. I mean, they already got rid of Carlos. We, we know Sean Williams is probably gone. Good chance Geno Atkins. All those old old regime guys from from Marvin's era. Those are the that those are the ones that need churned. Um, AJ Green to agree on offense, but it is it's a lot of it is on defense, and um, we've we've heard guys maybe not as as forcefully or as loud throw their defensive guys throw their support behind Lou the way players have thrown their support behind Zach, and no one's no one's going to sit there on a Zoom call and say yeah I don't believe in this guy, but you can tell. Um, if it's just a, a PC throwaway line, they're saying what they're supposed to be, or if it's if it is a long answer and a, and a thought out answer, and and you can really tell when when they believe what they're saying, and it, it does feel like that the younger guys on this roster, and to some degree older guy like a guy like Von Bell, it, it, I think Lou has a decent amount of support from the players from from many players on this defense. Um, but if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about you know if you're gonna lean on injuries and you're gonna say we need one more offseason to churn this, I don't look at this as they're giving these guys one more year. It almost feels like they get one month. Like the, the first quarter, <laughs> the first quarter of 2021 better go really, really well. If they're one and three or zero oh and four after the first four games. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Zach survives that. He he's got to come out of the gate hot. Yeah, I, you know, I would say, I would I would agree. He needs to come out hot, and we, we'll have a lot of time to discuss this as we get into the next season. We'll be, you know, what Burrow's timeline will be played out there. You know, who knows what we'll be talking about at that point. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We talk about a three-year window, and this with Brian, um, who's one of a, a, 
always dropping in questions and in the conversation with me on Twitter, says, can you give us the nearest equivalent of a successful head coaching turnaround of whomever is the closest to present day, Zach, in the record books? We need some light at the end of the tunnel. That's not a freight train right now. Um, it may be. Um, that's a whistle. Uh, but, you know, you talk about, we, we wrote, I wrote about this a, a, a while back, and it was looking at who those guys are, you know, Matt, Patricia, I, 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 that to me, the pressure just sort of bumped up all season. And by the time they were embarrassed on Thanksgiving, that was that, you know, when the, when the hope for the season is over and oh, and eight start is going to be it. Right. Right. Like, you know, so we see anything that resembles those nineties years with the late wins at the end of the season, followed by some awful run at the top of the next year. That ain't, that is unsurvivable in my opinion. Um, but, you know, once you see it go totally sideways or elimination from the playoffs inevitable, that's to me you know, what happened with Patricia this this past year. Now, to answer your question, Brian, um, you know what I went through um, about a month ago, and that was looking at that actual window and some of the success stories. Really, of late, you're talking about Kyle Shanahan, who went ten and twenty two his first two years, and then went thirteen and three, went to the Super Bowl in the third year had the injury to Garoppolo, um, but, but he had those run of wins when he had the quarterback. And, and you know, the say if you're looking to try to find some parallel here, I'm not calling Zach Taylor Kyle Shanahan. If you're looking to find the parallel, you would look at the run when Burrow started to get it cooking, and they had a, you know, they were second, I believe, in points per drive there over that four or five game stretch. And... You know, that's what you're saying. Oh, okay. Well, when he had the quarterback and and was starting to get it going there, they they really did have it cooking on offense. Um, and then add in a top, add in another draft pick, all that. If if, if you're trying to buy that parallel, that's where it would have to be. He went again, had the success. There's just not a lot of other success stories. You go back to Jim Schwartz uh, in in Detroit, who was who had six wins, or excuse me, eight wins, eight and twenty four. Uh, his first two seasons, and then the next year, uh, ten and six went to the playoffs. Um, but went went from two and fourteen to four and twelve. Now, if if Burrow, you know, they and that if Burrow would have stayed healthy, would this team have been what we talked about before the season, Jay? You know, six nine and one. We, you know, six nine and one. Burrow maybe wins rookie of the year. How different do people feel? Is is do you if you're gonna believe that, and and I don't think that's a tough sell. They won, you know, they won games with different quarterbacks. Brandon Allen won one, Ryan Finley won one. You gotta feel like some of those other games they they could have certainly won enough to get you to six, and you end up at four and a half. Six, nine, and one. I mean, they win that Washington game probably if Burrow doesn't get hurt. And you Washington figure and Dallas, Giants. Yeah. Right. And so 6-9-1, six, six, Burrow's rookie of the year. You beat Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football with him. That, that's what we talked about in the, season, in the beginning of the season that would have been dubbed a success. It's exactly – go run it back. Me, you, and Mo. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the s- situation that was laid out. That's the, basically the records that we had. I think I had seven and nine, but see, you know, that's and we had the late season surge and a potential for a big win or two at the end of the season 
on top of it to make everybody feel good about next year. That was taken away in Washington. Now, the method in which it happened, which puts liability on the shoulders of the staff having Burrow throw that much, the line situation totally exploding on them, changes the dynamic more than a bit. But, you know, that is where everyone I think would would feel excited about the potential of this team being real next year of them being this year's Cardinals or Dolphins which they when they got off to that hot start and saw the development happening on the rebuild. So, you know, I, I you can you can see that. And then you blame injuries and say, "Okay, we're buying into that." Right? And the the Shanahan thing, I looked this up before we even had this this reader submitted question or listener submitted question. How many of the current head coaches started their careers with back-to-back losing seasons? And there's two and Shanahan's one and the other's Vic Fangio. And we, he's in the same class with Zach Taylor. We don't know what that year three is going to look like. Both of those guys had worse records in year two than they had in year one. If, if you want to look at something, I mean, Zach Taylor's win total improved by 100%. He went from two to four. And technically, he went from two to four and a half. Four and a half. Right. <laughs> Don't forget that, so, <laughs> that bad half they earned against the Eagles. <laughs> so, so at least, I mean, you can see there is, there's progress. It, it's turtle progress, <laughs> but it's, it, there's something there. And, and you're right with who knows what this would have looked like without the burrow injury. You, you have to, to feel it would have been at least six, nine and one at the worst. So, Shanahan is the, I mean, that's the one everybody wants to compare him to or hopes that he ends up being up, being like, because back-to-back losing seasons and then the Senior Bowl coaching and then Super Bowl the next year. Um, but it's a, it doesn't happen a lot. It, you don't see a lot of guys get a third chance after back-to-back losing seasons. But again, the Bengals are different, different organization, a lot more patient. Um, there's, a, I've, I've got a, a stat here for you. I Go don't know it. the um, his six wins in in his first two years where that ranks. I, I checked with our, our research people at Sport Radar, and it is the fifth fewest in NFL history through the through the first two years of a head coach's tenure. Now this only includes first full. Two years. If if a guy started as an interim, that that doesn't count. So Zach Taylor six twenty five and one. The the only ones that were worse, John McKay with the Buccaneers. He had that legendary zero and twenty six start. He 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 went two and twenty six um, in his first two seasons. Norb Hecker with the Atlanta Falcons, who's been on a number of our lists, uh, four twenty three and one. Marty Morningway four or I'm sorry five and twenty seven. Chris Palmer with the Browns. Five and twenty-seven, and then you have Zach, and Zach is tied. If we're just talking wins in your first two years, Zach is tied with someone that that can give Bengal fans hope that it can turn around and become something special, and that would be Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Chuck Knoll, who was six and twenty-two in his first two seasons as a head coach, and uh, ended up winning four Super Bowls. Not saying Zach's going to do that, but Zach anytime- Taylor equals Chuck Knoll, according <laughs> to Jay Morrison. Anytime, you, anytime you have one of these lists, <laughs> you see it all the time. We have these the the, the fewest or the the worst streak of 
uh, road games without a win, the, the the fewest wins in the first 11 games, all those lists that we've had, there's always been Hall of Fame type of guys on there, the Tony Dungies, the Sam Weishes, the Tom Landrys, the Chuck Knowles. It, it's, it's not out of the question that it can turn around. It doesn't mean it will, but if if you're a Bengals fan, you're probably willing to cling to any life raft of hope you can find right now. And and that's one right there that, that both Zach Taylor and Chuck Noll had six wins. Now Chuck Noll only got 28 games instead of 32 because that was a 14 game season back then, but still six wins in the first two years, not an ideal start. And he found a way to turn it around. Uh, I'll go to another Twitter question here from our guy, uh, Joe Belmadi. Uh, is the future's hard to predict, especially Cincinnati, but let's say Zach goes three and 13 or four and 12 next year, uh, which actually, that should be three and fourteen or four and thirteen. I'm really going to have a problem with these seventeen game schedules. <laughs> Throwing off our what, the numbers that we're used to playing out in our head. Um, do you see them keeping him? No. It, it, he had. I mean, you need to be next year. He needs to. Eat. I mean, I hate to start putting numbers on it already, but five hundred at least, right? I mean, you need to go if you're going from two to four. It needs to go to eight. You need to be doubling again, right? I mean, at, at at least, you know, you get into situations, whatever. You know, if Burrow's healthy for all 16, you need to be 500 or better. Period. No matter what else is happening on the roster. If Burrow's healthy for 16 games, you need to be 500 next year, I think. Yeah, Seven I mean, and nine, maybe. He stays just because of the mic. Seven and ten, I guess. Seven and ten. Because of the mic factor, right? Yeah. But at, outside of that. I mean that to me that feels like that's where it's at. it's got to look good. It's got to look good. Yeah, like I said earlier, I, I think three and fourteen, four and thirteen are impossible. No way Zach Taylor does that next year because he doesn't get to do that. He doesn't get to finish that season if that's what that record looks like. Now maybe maybe they start four and four. Well, even then, if they start four and four and then lose nine straight, he's not coaching number nine or number eight. You, you I, it feels like there would be a change made at that point. It's it's one one thing we always talk about the way the Bengals do business. That's one thing that has changed in recent recent years is they've not head coach, but important positions, coordinator positions. They have been more willing to change course midstream of a season with the Ken Zampezi and the Terrell Austin. They've they've gotten rid of coaches midseason when things have gone really, really bad. And if if that happens next year I can't see Zach finishing the season. And let's not forget the history here. <laughs> Head coaches have been let go midseason. Dave Shula. Yes. Coslett. I mean, it, Dick LeBeau was an interim. I mean, we, we've we seen that with those. That's how those ended in the 90s. You know, if we, if, as we've referenced so much back to the 90s that we really feel like we're in the middle of right now, it, that is how these things have ended, did end then. They ended with midseason firings and interims, and then hope provided by interims, right? So if you're if you're listening, Darren Simmons in play. You know, I, I think there's a lot. Of, I would actually really like to see what a Darren Simmons team would look like. I do too. You know, and I think you see some of. I mean, even the New York has really seemed to enjoy Joe Judge. And he comes from the special teams background and an old school coach guy, you know, even though he's younger. But I mean, you know, he's got a very much an old school mentality to him. I think you look at what Joe Judge, I think you'd be getting a lot of that's what Aaron Simmons would look like. 
you know, and, and I think there could be excitement in that. And, and I think that's where you could see them saying, let's try more discipline, tougher guy, you know, a different, he's a different, he has a different coaching method mm-hmm. uh, where you could see that, right? Like you, you could certainly see it's, it goes poorly and they're just like, look, let's just end this here. Let's see what Darren's got. And, and, and having that in place. So, yeah, I, I to answer the questions there, I think you're right, Jay. You're right. He probably doesn't make it to that level if it's if it is that bad. Um, the other question here, and you know, I got a bunch of questions, and so I won't even name a bunch of you asked the same question. Why say no to the Senior Bowl? The Bengals staff asked about it yesterday. Said no, kind of almost laughed about the concept, and I followed up with. But seriously, the why? Like, why would you not? We did we not? Sp- how many? How many words did we spill on the advantage of coaching the Senior Bowl last year that we were told about, right? It was going to be a revolutionize the draft. Oh, yeah, just like the Niners, right? Like, that was the thing. And then when they drafted guys, well, we met them at the Senior Bowl. And because of that advantage, we had this conversation and that hands-on work, even though he was on the other team. And now it's we're going to let somebody else do that. I think this staff is burnt out. Yes. This staff is this year, and this year is tough on everybody. Tough on us. <laughs> you know, I can only speak personally for that as far as what that feels like. I'm burnout. It's tough on certainly these guys that have had to get up every single morning and go get a COVID test at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., deal with all the losing and everybody yelling and screaming about their jobs all year and the other madness happening behind the scenes there. Everything about that, they are burnt to a crisp. And in need of a vacation, (laughs) and in need of just a breather. And coaching the senior bowl is actually a lot. It's 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 a lot on them. Nobody really wants to be doing it. You, You there is advantages in it, and you understand those and you're willing to do it, but to do it for a second straight year is tough. That said. You are coaching for your job and turning the roster and finding more talent is supposed to be part of this. And man, I feel for these guys that the idea of having to go and then do that in what's going to be a tough year for the senior bowl is going to look very different too. I mean, like that's the biggest part. There's not going to be as much interaction with the players, certainly there, there's no media is going to have very little interaction. It's that's going to be a very different as far as being a true hands-on experience conversations, private moments where you can really get to know guys are if those are stripped away, I mean that's really the biggest part of it. We don't know exactly how that will play out. I think they're you know, but it has to. So it makes it less worth it in that case. Yeah, I was going to if the, if it was a normal year, I, I I think they might consider it more to to go down there and, and get that benefit. But to to go through the whole COVID protocol again with probably what will be daily testing and and the the distance from the players when you're you don't get as much alone time with them, which is the the benefit of coaching that. If you're just watching them practice, you can do that from the stands. That's what they're going to do. That. They're going to go as a staff to the Senior Bowl. They're still going to do everything that they've done in years past. They're just not going to get that extra connection with the players, which 
whoever coaches may not get anyhow. And you're right. You know, you asked Zach about, you know, why they wouldn't do it. Uh, he, his, his best answer to that came, it was his final answer of the press conference when one of the TV guys, I can't remember, it was Brandon Seho, uh, asked if he was going to give himself any time to rest and reset. And he said, absolutely. I look forward to that. And again, it's been a long year for the people on this Zoom call, not just me. Everybody's had to deal with changes. It's good. You go hard for six months. You do need to hit the reset button and kind of refresh yourself. Spend time with family, whatever it is you do to get away. That is that is a big deal. I think that is as big of a reason not to coach in the senior bowl as, as anything else. Is they've done it once. It was it may have been an advantage. It wasn't a huge advantage. I mean, you look at how this season went. I, it's just I, I think that they need this. The, the the coaches need this, and maybe it won't be as big of a rest and as big of a vacation as they're hoping because they've they've got he's got he's got a lot of positions to fill. I mean, he's hiring assistant coaches isn't an easy thing, um, but that coaching in the Senior Bowl is a grind. It is it is a fifteen hour day every day you're down there um and and it's it's not i i wasn't surprised i was i was a little surprised to hear him be as dismissive of it he almost kind of laughed when he said no we will not be doing that but i i'm not surprised that they're they're not interested in doing it this year i i mean i just i do think there is a lot of conversation in the building about it you know i mean i think there's a lot if you're on the scouting side Mm -hmm. you know of course, you, you you want anything you can get. These these scouts on an in an already stretched thin staff in a year where they can't get into the colleges, they can't really travel and go see these guys and get to know anybody. Will take anything they can get to help them make these decisions and get to know these players better. They're putting you know, there's gonna be juniors in there this year. I just you know you're you're. I'm sure that that side of the building would love to have a little bit more access at the senior bowl. And, and you're right. I mean, how much difference is, I don't know. Marvin didn't even go one year at all, <laughs> you know, like, and so it's, there is, there's different sides to that, but you know what? You, you rely on your coaches to help you draft. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I just, I'm not the one having to do the 15 hour days. I'm not the one that had to go through this season. I'm not, I'm not the one that I don't have a true, I don't have the deepest understanding of what's going to look like down there. Um, I understand to look at that and be like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted. All I did was sit on zoom calls and write stuff. And the idea of going <laughs> to the senior bowl is not something I'm super interested in either. And so it's like, I get that. Um, but when you're the Bengals, when you operate the way that you do, you know, these are the types of things um, that can be very important. Um, but again, what the Senior Bowl looks like is probably the bigger answer to that question than anything. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to talk for a second about some of the way that all the information came out um, over the course of this past week. You know, we, we... we saw it, the big storyline of Sunday was, did the players play like this because they knew a bunch of coaches were going to be gone? As it was, you know, report, at least Jesse uh, at Sports Illustrated uh, had that report on the coaches that were going to be gone on Saturday. Um, you know, you don't see that often, in reg- it, particularly in regards to position coaches. Coordinators that can come out. Um, obviously head coaches are highly speculated about and discussed and broken, right? You, you, you don't see that as much about position coaches because it's a different animal and there is a lot of protecting of each other amongst those coaches and amongst those staffs, right? Because here's what happens. If you're getting let go, you're, you're likely, and this happens across the league. I mean, coaches are let go. Position staffs, position coaches turn over like I mean, like no uh, no other uh, job in the industry. These position coaches just churn. Go look, go look, pick a position coach out of a out of a hat anywhere in the league. Go look at their resume. <laughs> it's here to there to here to there to there. Boom, 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 boom. Everybody moves around year year here, two years there maybe. Right, that's the nature of it, and the idea of being fired or not retained rather than moving on is an important one. There's a difference in that. So if that is the case, you don't typically see anyone wanting that information out. Head coaches do their best to protect that. And then position coaches definitely do their best to protect that typically because all it does is expose people from getting a chance to, to find a landing spot and have it look like they moved on. That's what happened here. On the Bengals staff, someone gave out that information. And Paul Alexander had a tweet about that on Sunday talking about how basically that's chicken shit. Yeah. <laughs> that you would do that to your you're supposed to be a teammate no matter how you feel no matter what's going on you don't do that it's it's like um it's like a player dipping out on a game you know quitting on his team you know basically that's people's you know people trying to help move on their career you're just you're you're kicking your teammates on the way out essentially and that's part of you know that's part of this <laughs> is is you know, 
when that's part of what's going on, that's part of the equation here. And and I I would agree with Paul. Like, and I don't I have no problem with any reporting that happened in regards to that. Reporters have we all shoot. You cultivated that contact. That is freaking awesome. Congratulations. You know, you it paid off. That's mm-hmm. that's good work, right? We try to do that. Every, we all try to do that all the time. I'm talking from the coach's standpoint. <laughs> like that when that's the type of stuff that's happening on a staff, that's that's an issue, and those problems need to be uh, gutted out as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to call up a reporter contact and, and say, hey, I've been told I'm not coming back. Don't sell out the entire list of, of those other guys that aren't coming back. It's that that that's why we they made the, the announcement on Zach yesterday, but they did not make any official announcement on these these other coaches, even though the reports out there that they, they it, this gives them more time to find another job. And then the announcement can be made that so and so has is will not be back because they're taking another opportunity at with with another team as opposed to so and so will not be back because we're not bringing them back and it, it it is it's it's a bad I agree with Paul Alexander too it's just a it's a bad look um, to, to do that to 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 sell out your your colleagues slash teammates on the coaching staff um, I I've not seen that before and I, I think it just whichever coach it was I think that just validates Zach's decision not to bring that guy back yeah one other element of things that came out uh over the course of the weekend stop, stop listening to pro football talk <laughs> stop like stop doing this why do fans do this to themselves I don't know the it's really fitting that we started the year with ridiculous, baseless claims by Pro Football Talk getting Bengals fans all in a tizzy, proven to be completely baseless in regards to Joe Burrow doesn't want to be with the Bengals. And then it ends, the season ends with the same thing. Rumors in league circles. Has, is there a weaker way to phrase that? What does that even mean other than I got nothing? Yeah, I just I just want to take a shot here, okay. I mean, look, s- stop getting all bent out of shape about stuff thrown against the wall by Pro Football Talk. I, this is nothing against what they do over there. That's fine. You know, you throw enough stuff out there, you get it right enough. That's good for them. Okay, just if you're getting your information from, keep all this stuff in mind. Don't forget it and then believe the next thing, like. Remember the people that put stuff out that was wrong. And that includes me. Hold me to that standard, please. I hold myself to it. It's important around here that we don't throw crap against the wall that proves out to be completely wrong. And I, I have been wrong before, but it's not be, it, it's <laughs> there's there's I like to think that I have a better record and the reasons for that are usually substantial. That's all just just stop listening to football talk. That's I mean all. they they do get they do break some stuff. They do get some things right. You're right. They're they're 
their batting average is not very good. But, but particularly when it comes to the Bengals, I mean, so much of this comes down to one man's decision, especially when you're talking about whether Zach will be back or not. There's no way Mike Brown is talking to anyone at Pro Football Talk. There's no way. Anyone there's no way, anywhere. No one in this organization <laughs> is talking to, to Pro Football Talk. And and so anything that they throw out there when it comes – when it has to do with the Bengals is, like you said, league circles. It's 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 rumors. It's It's – People speculating, agents, other coaches elsewhere, who knows where it's coming from. But yeah, it's it's guesswork and and there's no there's no repercussions for it when you're wrong. You just it's almost like baseball. You go up there, you try to hit the home run. If you strike out, oh well, try to hit the home run next time. It's it's just that that there are there are more credible sources for you guys to be paying attention to. There is no doubt. Just don't don't get all bent out of shape about that. Um all right, so we mentioned Joe Burrow, so let's make sure we talk about him. Joe Burrow, who weighed in uh, with a tweet, because that's the only thing we can get from Joe Burrow anymore. Uh, supposedly, we're going to talk to Joe Burrow in the next couple of weeks. Requests, as you might imagine, have <laughs> <laughs> been repeatedly made. But hey, it's just we can get Joe Burrow, you know, like face the franchise guy. He'd, he'd want to talk to us, talk to the fans and all. Yeah, all he has to do is turn on his computer. It's not hard. It is not. Yeah. It is not hard. And so supposedly we're going to hear from him in a couple of weeks. I, I get it. Like, you know, they're trying to take things step by step. So let's hope soon we'll be hearing from Joe Burrow and where we can actually ask him questions. Um. You know, you don't want to trot Joe Burrow out there before you knew what was going on with coaches and all that stuff. Uh, I, I, you know, that's that's fine. I have, and I have no problem with waiting for the season to end. But so hopefully we do get him in the next couple of weeks uh, and can actually, you know, ask him questions. But as far as uh, what he had to say on Twitter, Joe Burrow offered up this saying. Couldn't be more excited about the future of our organization. We have a great foundation and great people at the top. Look forward to giving the fans what they deserve. Also, hopefully that's the last time I ever have to watch a game on TV. Um, with, I believe, the three-finger emoji. So that's like the Andy Dalton, I love you, I guess. I don't know if that's a Joe Burrow, man. I think he's, I think he's giving a little rock on, basically. But anyway, regardless, I'm not going to break down uh, emoji choices which I could talk about for a long time. Oh, yeah, you're an expert. <laughs> but, uh, you know, well-timed. Okay, I won't do media tomorrow, but I, I'll give you a tweet. I'll change my profile pic to me as a Bengal holding the ball. I'm a Bengal, right? I'm face of the franchise. Uh, you know, that, by the way, is like, it was like the I, I I don't think I actually tweeted it, but it was going to be that Joe Burrow tweet to frustrated Bengal fan soul was like Mister Miyagi slapping his hands together and rubbing the wound on Daniel Larusso before he goes <laughs> back out to fight and Karate Kid won. It's like ah, oh, I think this can maybe get me through this fight, you know? Like that's all. It just soothes the soul a little bit uh, because that's all that matters. It, it's. You know, and we didn't mention this. We didn't really mention this before, 
when we talked about selling injuries and progress made with Burrow. Joe Burrow's relentless approval of Zach Taylor also played such a huge role in this. I wrote about that back when we talked about the, the aspects that would play into this decision of retaining or not uh, with the head coach. How does Joe Burrow feel? Joe Burrow likes the direction, loves the direction that things are headed. At least all things publicly appear to be the case. Peers have a really good relationship with the head coach. Head coach quarterback relationship, especially when you got that guy, is insanely important. This tweet is also part of why you keep Zach Taylor. You want that guy to be saying, hey, it's all good. I got this. Let's go. That's important. Let me ask you this, though, because I, I found this interesting. Now, yesterday on Monday, we had a number of players, and, and they all said how excited and happy they were that Zach was coming back. And, of course, they're not going to say bad decision and, and question ownership. Um, and, and I don't think any of them – you mentioned the Tyler Boyd one. I don't think any of them were, were just saying it to be saying it. I think they they believed what we said. But you do the same thing I do. You, you follow every single Bengals player on Twitter – you probably have a column for Bengals players in your tweet deck. Correct. Joe Burrow was the only one I've seen that commented on Zach coming back. And and I and these guys tweet a lot. And and I haven't I haven't gone through their Instagram feeds. Maybe there's some yeah, let's go, let's get it type of post on Instagram, but but I thought that was interesting that that Joe Burrow was the only one that came. He's the only one that matters really. The main one that matters. But he was the only guy that, that came out and and said something positive to the news that Zach was coming back. It's correct. I, I've actually it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, a lot it, it's a lot of the same people tweet and Instagram is a little bit different. And I do follow these guys on Instagram in the same respect. And you see a little bit more there of like, you know, year one and all right. But you're right. As far as speaking out and posting let's go that type of thing um yeah but that happens during games too i, I always notice that during games you just rarely see it's like joe mixon and dj reader and then there's just not much else and sometimes even those guys are like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just not much else happening there you know and yeah i mean that's it is it is notable. That is notable. Um, because that's where it's okay to say nothing, right? Yeah. We got these guys on the Zoom. You ask them about Zach Taylor coming back. You're not gonna rip, you're not gonna rip them. You're not gonna rip ownership. You're not gonna but you can say nothing on inst on your social. Yeah. You can just be like, whatever. And and that's fine. These guys have probably already checked out because they're already on a flight. Like they just didn't want to think about it. You know, I don't need to weigh in on decisions. That ain't my place. And I understand that, too. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I, a lot of these players take the mindset of, I would just, I stay out of that world. You don't if you're Joe Burrow because you're the face of the franchise. You are that world. That is your world. You're the leader of the team. You're, <laughs> you're, you're more important than Zach, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you are, whether he even knows that yet or they would ever say that. He is. He's the quarterback. He's the hope. Okay? And so 
what he says matters and he is a voice and he understands that. I mean, he tweets with purpose often. Not that he tweets often, it's that when he tweets, it is with purpose every time. Outside of like a couple SpongeBob tweets, maybe. <laughs> You're <laughs> right. You know, you know what I mean though? Like I, I mean it is it is usually with purpose, whether it be uh, you know, for his foundations, for stuff he did in Southwest Ohio, you know, um, social justice, you name it. It's it's not regular, it's not constant, it's not Darius Phillips vague tweets that no one understands but happen constantly. <laughs> it is it is occasional and it is purposeful. And this was the case with that. And it means more when, when you got when you have a guy that does that that doesn't yeah. tweet as often. It, it means more when they do say something. So the big things going forward now will be the offensive line. Uh, how do they fix that? Which will start with what do they do at offensive line coach? Um, you know, who knows? There's any number of directions they could go. Jay, you've got a kind of a list, and and I know Lap Dave Lapham dropped a, a couple of names out there on Bengals line, um, which is you know where Dan Horde talked about um, Lou Anarumo definitely being back uh, as well, and you know there's names out there. I, I don't. It's it's hard to say exactly where these guys end up coming from. I mean, there's. It can there can be any connection that you didn't even know existed, or just somebody who weirdly has interest. But oh, it's some names that you kind of maybe point to. Yeah, the, I mean the obvious one's Bill Callahan, Brian's dad, um, Zach's college coach at Nebraska. That one makes all the sense in the world, but there's hoops to jump through there because he's he's under contract with the Browns. This was his first year as Browns offensive or as an offensive line coach. So there's. We don't. I don't have his contract in front of me, but it would be hard to imagine he signed a one-year deal. So they would need permission um, to 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 talk to him. They they would need to to promote him to to even be allowed to 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 take him away when he's under contract. You could do that with a, an assistant head coach or an assistant offensive coordinator title. Um, the other one I, I went through and I looked at all these. There's six six teams with openings. Um, for head coaches. So you figure most likely all of their assistant coaches are going to be let go too when the new head coach comes in and fills his own staff. And, and the one that kind of jumped out at me was the Jets and Frank Pollock, who was here for one year. He replaced he he, he replaced um, Paul Alexander and, and had one year in Cincinnati and moved on. Um, I, I don't know if he would come back, but it's just an interesting name that's on that list. The other ones, the, the Jags, the Chargers, the Lions, there's no notable offensive line coaches there. Um, another name, I, I started looking at who Zach Taylor's been around um, with the Dolphins and, and with the Rams. And a name that, that jumped out was Aaron Cromer, who's, who's their offensive line coach and their run game coordinator with the Rams. Uh, he's an Ohio guy. He played at Miami, right up the road in Oxford. Got his coaching career at Miami. You don't know how strong those roots are, if, if he would even have interest in coming back to Ohio. You, I don't even know if he and Zach were tight. You would figure they are, being on the offensive staff together and going to a Super Bowl. Um, it, 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 would, it would seem that that's the case. But again, would, would Aaron Cromer 
leave a a program or a team in the Rams that wins year after year after year to come join Zach Taylor's staff. But that was just that was another name um, that kind of jumped out at me. Um, the other the other offensive line coaches for the the Texans, Falcons, Lions, Chargers, Jags. I couldn't find any connection there. Um, I, I think I think Callahan is going to be the number one target. It's just a matter if they can make it work. Yeah, and so when you mentioned that, the other name that lap dropped is Scott Peters, who is who is Bill Callahan's direct assistant. And you, when you had, you know, it's like okay, well, you you may not be able to. I also don't know that Bill Callahan would do that to the Browns. Yeah, and he's he's been such a huge part of their turnaround up there. And again, I hate to bring up old stuff. You know me, Jay. <laughs> I don't like to do this. We talked about this last year. Why was the move to Callahan not made last year? It, that relationship with Jim Turner, because you, 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 this could have happened last year. Yeah. Everything that Cleveland did with their offensive line, which, by the way, is being sold as like the reason, right, for everything up there offensively. And they've Good overcome injuries. line has been. And, and have overcome injuries and COVID and everything else. And – you know, went out and spent in the offseason and in the draft. You know, sound familiar? No. <laughs> <laughs> it is it could have happened last year. Didn't. That bus may may have gone by the stop. You know, his assistant, though, you could bring in Scott Peters, uh, a guy with some experience, uh, a lot of love for him. And you know that Brian and Bill would share like dude this guy really is legit can be a can be a dude can do what I've done you can work together with them you know you could totally see that happening lap mentioned it um so I guess keep that in mind if if offensive line searches get you going is this <laughs> the day for you, you I mean, the, the other thing with Peters is if, if he is that good and that much of an up-and-comer that then maybe Bill doesn't feel like he's leaving the Browns in a bad spot. By I mean, he's obviously coached forever. He's been a head coach. He's he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. But it's it's not like you're leaving them high and dry if he were to jump to Cincinnati and then have Scott Peters elevate to to being the head the the line coach in Cleveland. Um, I I can't imagine the Browns letting him go. In that in the regards of oh oh you you want to do that? Do you want more money? Yeah. You know, I mean, the Bengals aren't going to win a bidding war. No. And the, the the Browns may not be willing to let him go anywhere, but particularly to a division team. I, Correct. <laughs> There's a lot standing in the way here uh, of that for people that bring that up. And rightfully, the number one name that you think of mm -hmm. um, when you talk about offensive line coaches, considering you have Brian here, would be his dad. And so, you know, there's just a there's a lot at play there, and, and you know so we'll see how that all plays out over time. This will be uh, so that this stuff will go on over the next few weeks. I mean, they haven't even officially made any announcements yet, so we'll you know we'll see how all that uh, plays out. We have done a lot, Jay. We have uh, these this the Tuesday after the season. I always feels like goes. 20 minutes longer than I ever thought it would. And I and I, I used to even do like we'd break it into double episodes, you know, but we, we've got plenty of time to get to that. The the roster evaluation um is coming. 
So we'll be getting into that next as we sort of kind of uh, now we can tie a little bit of bow on what's happening with the coaching staff, dissect that, what went wrong, what will will go right potentially, where all that stands. We'll keep tracking that, of course. But um, next we turn our attention to this roster, to the players, to free agency, into the draft and all that stuff as they, you know, how will they approach that? So we'll have lots of information coming your way on all of that. Hope this, hope this got everybody covered. They feel up to date, maybe unsatisfied, probably unsatisfied, but up to date. You know, we're not, we're not, I can't, I can't make the team good. No, I can't make, I cannot make you guys like the decisions they make. I cannot affect the decisions that they make. I can merely tell you what's happening. And and I'm sorry that it makes you sad so often. Heart, hearts out to all Bengals fans out there who have stuck around, not only with this team, but with us. I hope we have been therapeutic this year. I hope you didn't feel like you were on the couch too much. Talking about your childhood, you know. <laughs> it, I, I, it. Look, if if we were doing the podcast, and and people listening could like just speak back to us, how many of them would be talking about like, my it's my dad's fault? <laughs> he made me a Bengals fan. I could he could have chosen any other team. It's because he didn't love me. I needed a hug. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we know i feel you i feel you it's a tough gig following this club and it's a particularly tough gig right now but hey joe burrow will be back next year it's hope season this is your time Bengals fans a season of hope it's only going to be building of hope from this point forward with all the moves and the new players and the draft hope Hope I've, is on the way. Hey, I, like what you were saying where we can't make the team go. I feel like we should put a hashtag on every tweet that says, don't shoot the messenger. We're, we're just, <laughs> we're just telling you what they're doing, yeah. why they're doing what they're doing. We can't, we can't have them do what you want them to do. Yeah. Or as Michael tell you, we already did what you wanted us to do once. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. <laughs> Buy tickets. <laughs> Oh, read Mo's column in case you want a little more on that, um, which is up on The Athletic. And a reminder, theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growl and go in there and you can get the uh, deal for $4 a month uh, right now and get everything under the purview of The Athletic. So, so, so many insiders and reporters and columnists and great stuff across all sports. Heck, I'd get it just for Justin Williams. Yes. But that's just me. Um. Anyway, so thanks, everybody, uh, for listening to the podcast today. This year, we'll be, we're on a once-a-week schedule now, so we'll be back next week. Uh, and we'll kind of start taking a little closer look at the roster and all that other stuff. So thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time. Hear that podcast, crowd.